discovered it must be told. From beginning to end. Now, here's a little story I got to tell. Here is a story about music. Stories about songs, shaki, shaki, shaki. Interviewing and trying to set up interviews can be a thankless and taxing experience. But for me, I just push forward because of the great moments that come from the other ones. It's like for all the ones that fall through or have challenges, you have those ones that you get to do and it's like, this makes it always worth it to push forward and do this continually. You know, when I was thinking about doing this episode, you know, I had a really a lot of great memories. But also, you know, I knew that I was connected with Shaki still, you know, on Facebook, comment on posts, like posts back and forth. So loosely still connected. And so as I was just putting together, I was like, you know what? This is what this is for, right? This is the reason why we have this. So hit Shaki up. And I was like, you know, you have a moment, kind of go over some of these memories and see if I'm forgetting anything or if you could add anything. It was perfect because I'm going to jump ahead of the story a little bit because besides being a poet and MC, Shaki also had what is the first hip hop magazine on the internet, as far as we know. It may have been the first hip hop site on the internet, certainly one of the first called Guillotine Hip Hop. And so for my connection from uh, working with her on her debut record, I also ended up being the first time I ever wrote online was for that site. So that's another connection that, you know, ties all together with Shaki, me and and where this whole episode is trying to go. So it was a perfect timing because when I reached out, Sha was like, I was just basically putting a prayer into the universe for me to find some you know, like artifacts or some things about guillotine hip hop, you know, because it had mostly been lost. So I was such a nerd when the Internet first came out or when I first got on it that I was printing a bunch of the pages. And so I had like 50 something pages of guillotine that I had printed out. And then I scanned back in <laughs> to my computer a couple of years ago. So I had them just there on our drive. And so I was able to send those to Shaki right when she was thinking about wanting stuff like that. So it kind of just worked out perfect. And this, this episode already has like connections to previous episodes to the coup because there was a whole connection between Anti-Pop Consortium and Shaki and they were on the same label as the coup 75 art for, for a time and then it, it also connection to you know my work with Rage Promotions because even though that wasn't like really financially successful it was an important part of my journey and so I spent a lot of time with record labels and chasing money I was supposed to get paid, but never got paid for it. But I also did some promotions for Lug's Boots. And they were one of the only places that would always pay on time and pay well. We had a really good deal. Um, they were good to give me like free shoes and winter coats, promotional items like keychains and stickers and all these things. So if you went to a hip hop party in the 90s in Chicago, you probably got something Lug's related from me. People still come up to me <laughs> 20 years later being like, yo, you gave me my stuff. I still got my Lux keychain. So I, I was out there doing Lugs and, and, and they were taking care of me. The people that I worked with there, the, um, they were all women. And the main person was Diana. And 
that was like, you know, in the record business, that wasn't something that I experienced. Every I only dealt with men in terms of like who was running a promotion team. The only time I talked to women pretty much at rap labels was a receptionist. You write it down. I ain't no damn secretary. It wasn't common. I wasn't thinking about it that much then. But looking back, that's my memory of it for the most part. Promotions where I saw more women have presence, you know, in that world, street teams, running street teams, stuff like that, but not specifically at record labels. So working with Diana at Lugs, and at one point she was like, I have this friend of mine that works for a record label and they just signed the hip hop artists and they're looking for, you know, promoters. Would you, you know, be willing to talk to her or send a proposal? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So I sent a proposal for what I do in Chicago, and I believe the woman was Shante Taylor. I, I look, I could remember the name, and Shaki could remember for sure either. But I looked up some, just some internet sleuthing, and I was like, "Yeah, this makes perfect sense." And then the picture, I'm like, "Yeah, I think that's who I remember." So I'm believing in Shante. So got her this um, proposal. She liked it, decided to hire me for the project, and the project was Shaki. And the first thing I worked was the Soulsville 12-inch single, which was the only 12-inch uh, single for the record. And I started working for Mago. I know I found, I found, I kept notes of um, answer machine messages. No one is available to take your call. And so I kept notes of that. And so I found that when I got hired, you know, it was on, it was in May of uh, 94. So that must have been around the same time when this single was coming out. Then I worked the album, you know, there's also a project through Imago and, you know, a, a great experience. But that's how it connected was through Diana at Lux. And so that experience at Imago was also different because that was the first time now, you know, contrary to what I said just a moment ago, this is the first time that I was working with a woman who was running a project. And I remember every, everyone I believe that I ever talked to at Mago was women. And I even went to the office once when I was in New York during this campaign. And, you know, it was a great experience office. It was a cool, you know, this is a cool experience. They paid on time, no hassles. For me, it was a good experience. And so I got this impression, wow, when I'm working with women in these positions like that, the experience is always better and I get paid. And so I was looking for more experiences like that. And then I found those were like in the magazine world, like Sheena, Sheena Lester over at Rap Pages and then the team over at Flavor uh, in Seattle. You know, so I was finding that, you know, more often as as time went on. And so I got to work the Shaki record. And Imago um, was a label that was known more in the rock world. I didn't even, never really heard of them before. Um, Diana mentioned it to me. But they, you know, looking back, they had the, you know, the, the Rollins band. You think you're going to live your life alone. Amy Mann. Uh, Basehead was sort of like a pop rap. They use, you know, they use rap in the music with Basehead. Artists like that. If you heard of them or not, you, you probably got an idea that this wasn't a, a hip-hop label at all. And so they assigned Shaki, and it makes sense because Shaki is also very clearly is hip-hop, but you can hear all these other influences and and this, this different... She's just very unique in the way she's approaching the vocal 
range and inflections and all these things and it's engaging stories visuals uh sense of humor it's all coming together are really great in this album and all these songs so you know so when i was getting around to doing this i like let me just catch up with shaki and we have a quick conversation and i so i asked you know how did that even occur to get signed to a model of all the labels at the time and the story basically is they were doing things doing shows but no one was really labels weren't really looking for them so it really was Imago was the one that came asking and there was a particular show where Shaki performed at the old knitting factory downstairs it's a packed show she had his full band it had you know members that went on to be part of the group Soul Coffin But this band, her first full band she ever had was called Rhythm Method. Some of the demos they made it as that group became songs on the debut album on Amago. And this night was a particularly great show and it was uh, videotaped. And the leader of the band, uh, Danny Bloom, showed this videotape to Kate Hyman, who was the A&R of Amago that led Kate to you know have interest and sh- set up a showcase at CBGB's which also wasn't a particular hip hop spot CBGB's is proving ground for a lot of the punk slash new wave groups that performance also went well and that led to a deal with Amago around the spring of 93 and then that was working towards the album to get it done for 94 but pretty much as soon as the album was done, Kate, the A&R that brought her on, was let go. So that was already a start of a souring of the relationship with the label. One good thing that did happen was Shaki was able to get on the Lollapalooza tour as the crew that she was a part of, the Boom Poetic. Lollapalooza. Here comes the coolest apparition this summer. Smashing Pumpkins, Beastie Boys, The Breeders, George Clinton, L7, plus mucho more. Between bands, look into the future down the Lollapalooza Superhighway. The online cyberlink that lets you talk long distance via computer. Lollapalooza 94, a hypnotic way to spend a hot spell. This MTV Lollapalooza Tour Report is brought to you by Apple. So... They went on this tour right around the time of her album coming out to promote it. You know, as far as what was happening to the label then, the person that came in to replace Kate didn't really believe in the project. So there was already, already as soon as it dropped, you know, some like contention with the label. So it wasn't going well. And so not too long after it came out, it led to Shaki and Walter, who was uh, Walter Mead managing Shaki at the time. They go into this meeting to Imago, which was in the penthouse of the building across the street from Carnegie Hall or next to Carnegie Hall. And, you know, Shaki describes that every time they would go there, remember as the elevator door opens, you see like the the, the receptionist desk and there's always every week a different giant exotic plant on the desk. You know, know, so big you can barely see the receptionist. It's like this giant imposing plant. But this day, they're both so focused and, and angry and they go in right direct, don't even notice the plant, what it is, go right into this meeting, speak what they got to say, you know, which is pretty much leads to the, the, them leaving the label and being done the last time they're going to be in that office. 
But then on the way out, they noticed that, <laughs> ironically or fittingly, that the plant on the desk is a large cotton plant. And <laughs> Shaki's like, she goes to Walter, like jokingly, like, I've never picked cotton before. I'm going to pick cotton from this plant. And as that was happening, this voice in Shaki's head was like, don't let yourself escape from one plantation to go to another. And so that's why she didn't look for another deal. She, she started to do things a different way from that point. So that was just like such a powerful story. When you, we, we always know these things, artists will make one project or do one thing. And then, you know, you wonder what happens to an artist. And, and we never really know the full story. And the story's always, from my experience, a lot of times these stories are, are more than how we might envision them. And so, but so for, for me personally, I love that album, but also through the album, I was exposed to other people because I didn't get to go see the actual show at Lollapalooza when they toured and they came to Chicago. I had to work so I couldn't go, but because I was doing promotions for the record and, you know, through that, they connected me with Walter Mead, who was managing Shaki. So we were in contact. And so I was able to go out to their hotel room when they were in town in Chicago just to meet them and talk and kick it. And so I got to meet Shaki was there for sure. Walter was there. That's the day I met High Priest. Rozelle, the godfather of noise, was there. That's how I met Rozelle. We stayed in touch a little bit after this, up to the point even I interviewed him later when he finally put out his own solo record. And also on the road was Jarsiri, another um, poet MC in 99. And I'm a big fan of 99, but I didn't know any of 99's music then. So I can't even for sure remember if I met 99 that day. But at that time, Shaki's like, that was like my best friend. And so, and 99 on that tour was making such a dynamic appearance on stage that the Beastie Boys who were on the, they were, so 99 and Shaki, Boom Poetic were like a small stage, but um, Beastie Boys was like a headliner on the main stage. But they caught their show a couple of times so a few times they were invited on the main stage with the Beastie Boys you know later on in the set and 99 through that got signed to Grand Royal Beastie Boys label and recorded some really dope dimbles with Gingy Brown that's like the only way I've heard them because they came out on samplers back then around like 95. These songs were great, but her project never dropped. Later on, she went on to work with Prince and did some demos that are out there on the internet, but never officially really came out. She was signed later to a, a label called V2, which I just did some searching and found out that someone named Kate Hyman worked there. So I'm, I'm assuming that's the same person who was the A&R for Shaki. So it looks like Kate later on worked also with 99 on V2. If it, I'm assuming that's the same person. So that was all connected for me working with Shaki. 
far as the album itself, there's so many highlights. Children of the Corn, the B-side to the Soulsville uh, 12-inch. Like, that's one of those, like, you can really appreciate the beat listening to the instrumental version. What are those drums? Like, the sound he has them tuned and, like, the way Rozelle's doing the horn. The arrangement. It really speaks to like Earl Blaze just being like, man, really good with what he does, a craftsman. So that one's great. Just like the the mood of Doompa Saga, like the dark, it's the dark feel of the production and then like the poetic direction that um, Shaki and High Priest take. And then this, you got this like hardcore rhyme by Ill Bill, which was how I first heard Ill Bill debuting here on a Shaki record. That's a wow moment on the album. Then blunted blitz like that beat. It's like got this like beat with a strong rock feel, but these like jazz moments. I never got to see Shaki live, but I feel like that's probably what it felt like to see Shaki live. Is that song? It's probably capturing it in blunted. That the beat is insane. It's like. You know, Earl Blaze was just like in really in a in a great form of what he's doing here. Like and like then when you get to like this the song Shaw's theme, like just the pairing of Earl Blaze and Shaw Key is magic. It's a mystery to me how MCs can roam free with no style. It's a mystery to me how MCs can roam free with no style. There's a song called Into the Center. The beats are like an old school like b-boy break beat. You're hearing it right now in the background because there's no instrumental version of it. I had to grab a few parts of it and make an instrumental version just to use it because that beat is so crazy. I was like a super Earl Blaze fan at this time after hearing this record and then following later on what he did anti-pop consortium. So like just him as an engineer and a producer, just like a creative. I was like, I was tuned into Earl Blaze. And also you got you get also you got Gingy Brown on there, who I think this is how I first heard Gingy Brown, because around the same time or later he was doing the supernatural stuff and some other things, but I think I may have first heard Ginger you and this. And he does one of my favorite songs on the album by Coastal Holdup. Is like one of Shaki's greatest vocal performance or presence on there is just ridiculous. And you got this like Crash Crew hook. They, they redo a cra- hook from Crash Crew high power rap. While you're rolling down the street with your wheel in your hand and you're nodding to the music of the chameleon clan as you riding in Street and you snap it, your fingers to the show. 
Shaki. I remember when I interviewed Shaki back around this time, I mentioned that and she let me know. She said, oh, it was actually Jinji's idea to do that. He gave me that hook for that song. So that was his idea to come up with that Crash Crew thing. And then you know, the first part of it, the beat is like this Rozelle with this ill human beatbox beat. And then it like melds into the Jinji Brown beat. So brothers and sisters, are you ready for the throwdown? I'm rocking from the bottom to the top and to the rims. I'm snatching your mic and ripping out your limbs. Still you're knocking on my door, but I can't let you in. It's a really dope song the way it builds. And then he does um, also a song called The Story. a hot day on the last spring of April where showers made flowers and bullets start to bloom the boom of the jeep is like a backbeat to the rhymes kicked at the corner against the concrete brothers blowing steam the back of what they mean but... it's like a thrills like super slow like you know this real super slow feeling song with ill visuals, these dark horns by Rozelle. This the beats vibe is crazy, and this song is man. That song probably could drop today and do way better than it did back then. It was like they might have been like 15 years too early with the story with Jinji Brown and Shaki and Rozelle. It was just like that one still. I think it still sounds great for today. Then the title track, just Rozelle and the human beatbox and Shaki just storytelling and just giving like this so much personality. The delivery is top notch and she's mixing in the spoken word pieces. Or I guess it's all kind of a spoken word piece with a hip hop overtone or something. It's just a great combination of a few things in her delivery. The night was thick like the boom bip of the PE 98 Oldsmobile is sold. Yeah, yeah, thick like that. I'm chilling on my back. I'm listening to Bobito. I'm not in my head to that true scoop schism. And, on my TV. and then the spoken word ending is a masterpiece. Every syllable is said with intention. And every every moment in time, every space is like, it feels like it's exactly the way it was meant to be. It's just perfectly phrased. The boom, the boom, the boom, bip. The boom, the boom, the boom, bip. But then the question still remains, why was I brought here? Shock, he's a special talent. And then it's just one of those things that an album that's great didn't really get the recognition that it should have. At this time, I was still seeing and doing things. And I was later, you know, a few years later, I'm making this transition to like this new how I was going to approach rhyming and I don't know when I noticed it if it probably wasn't the time but I noticed it now for sure that her performance on the title track to the album is like an influence to where I was trying to take it later on too so Shaki was even like a like direct vocal influence to me in like my last phase as an MC and so yeah then they had a b-side song called Venture On it's great it's therapeutic. It's just like you're at peace. Mm, I flow how I 
feel I'm on a search for the real So I grab my phase on and venture on Just another cricket on the concrete But here I come, here I come Fresh out the fields on the heels of a recognized reel Not in my head without my neck giving permission I'm stuck in a rut to many months in the music But now it's open season, a theme for a pedigree So just around the corner, here I come jockey Now why does everybody it's just a shame this album and none of her music from this era, this project, isn't available like online. People should hear this album. I think it still sounds great right now. You know, 94, when this album came out, that's also when Jay Bird and I started Caught in the Middle. We did it in December of 94, put it out. So this album was already out by that point. December is the time, like I said, is when Imago lost their funding. So as that was happening, Bird and I were starting our, our magazine and we, I wanted to put Shaki in there. So we got this writer, uh, Michelle Bell, interview Shaki for our debut issue so fast forward you know this album comes out I work it I lose touch with Shaki she's not really working with Walter anymore I stayed with him touch with him for a little while longer because he was managing like the rest of the, like the boom poetic and vibe chameleon so he was connecting me with what High Priest was doing and then anti-pop and you know the Mr. Live stuff you know because he was J Live when he rhymed on the Shaki album on the vibe chameleon's posse cut but then it became Mr. Live because, you know, there was already... Because there, there was another J Live which took on his name after that. And rather than have two J Lives, he just changed his name to Mr. Live. So, because I talked I talked to Mr. Live about that name change. And so, I just lost touch with Shaki um, for a little bit. But then, I mean, I mean, it was like, you know, back then, it was like an easy way to reach somebody that you could find someone, get the phone number, something like that. So anyway, somehow... Shaki reconnected with me because she had started Guillotine and she, you know what we believe is the first rap the first rap magazine on the web and possibly the first rap website and at the time you know Shaki when I you know, was talking to her a couple weeks ago was like yeah it was just at the time most people around that, that Sha knew were like kind of clues to the internet but she was like already knew that it was going to be a thing so she took the time to learn HTML taught herself and then built the site on her own because she was like there's no rap online magazine and I think there should be and I want to do that so she created guillotine hip-hop and it was like pushing the the limits of html at the time making the post interactive like she remembered um a j-root interview where she had a, like a, a a logo of, of a visual of a brain and then different sections of the brain were different sections of the interview so the, you know, the, the the viewer could click into the part of brain they wanted to visit so like doing stuff like that there was like this part called the link and the link was like an online notebook cipher she used to like have these notebook ciphers where you know in public where you would like write a line or two a poem in a notebook pass it over someone writes a couple of lines they pass it and then this cipher is just writing in a notebook building a piece and so Shaki wanted to create that online so she had this section on the guillotine of the link where that was happening and it was like really expansive once when it was printed out at some point it was like 100 pages long of these people just 
building on and some people like really going into it writing full verses and going beyond the concept of a few lines because they were like the writing was really just coming out of people in this thing it's one of the things that like Shaki's trying to find those artifacts that were on guillotine hip-hop because they're like artifacts of the first hip-hop magazine online right I'm assuming most people never even heard of guillotine I would guess so why is that and then like the answer is obvious when you and unfortunate but it's like she says it like you know I was a black queer woman in hip-hop in tech so I'm a really alone in that space is what she said to me I'm like that's the harsh reality so that's why you may have never heard of guillotine you know of course other actors might play into it like you know what limit you know she says like her limit nods of business at the time or her personal life at that time some challenges so you put all those things together you know and that's why it didn't go on to be known and really really get its accolades that it should have but there's proof of it, that it exists because like vibe magazine did an article to capture that so like you know i was just like a shocky fan beyond the music just like the innovative way that Shaki was doing things with the website. So, like, we were, we were connected through that stuff. A couple of years later, what, 98, when the Connected compilation came out that had some dope groups on it, like Live Tech One and yeah, a few things on there that were dope. But there's that song, Duckin' Lessons, that's a Shaki and High Priest duet. At that point, I'd only heard Priest one more time since the Shaki album, and I'd heard the Disorientation 12 inch. So then this is my next thing I heard was Duckin' Lessons. And that song makes me wish that Shaki and Priest had did a full album together. Cause like with like Earl Blaze and Priest production. Cause like that song is great and it has like a great vibe to it. So that was like my favorite song on that compilation. I used to play that on my radio show a lot, Time Travel. So, you know, like years later, um, Earl Blaze and Shaki did a follow-up album. They had the idea of the untold story. That was the album. They started like pretty much right after the debut album, but they left the label. They just didn't pursue a new label. Like, you know, she didn't lift a new label, didn't put no music out for a while. So it kind of developed over a very long, over a long time. Didn't come out until like 2004, but it was a concept record. It's a hip hop opera, but on her first album, she's already doing that style. So it's just like, they're kind of like owning it in this concept record. And it's like this spoken word and abstract album with these great Earl Blaze beats and some awesome features. Uh, uh, Mums the Schemer, Scam, Saul Williams. And so like, it's, it's it's a, if you haven't heard that second album, if you, if you haven't heard either album, I think you should seek out both. But if you know, they're both definitely worth a listen for sure. Uh, Shaki and Earl Blaze are a great team. And this so beyond the music, giving my me my first online writing gig. So that's something that I've gone to do more and more and more. So that was inspiration is from Shaki. And then that, you know, this the connections that you know that door is an opening door for anti-pop consortium. Uh, Mr. Live, who like has some great songs with Tony Bones, like Hunger Strike, Placebo. So it was like uh at 99 was a connection through in Razel. So there was these few different connections, so a few different levels to how like Shaki was like an important icon for me, a person for me in the hip hop music in that 90s era. Shaki. Clear the room if you can't take the boom. Poetic. The night was thick like the boom bit of the PE 98 Oldsmobile is sold. 
Yeah, yeah, thick like that. I'm chilling on my back. I'm listening to Bobito. I'm nodding my head to that true scoop schism. And on my TV screen, Speed Racer wins again. Hypnotic bliss is what I was in. I wish I was in the world. The beats and bass lines, mics and dope rhymes. I click my heels three times like it's bugging. But then, boom, there was a flash of light. Too strong to be my jeans, and yo, I open my eyes. The original BB up Scotty appeared in my room. My sticky fingers looking, get in a hoodie with a beep up by his side. He greeted me in that old school spiritual. He said, so, so. A lot of happiness from planet that he died I want to take a ride and follow my stride But listen here kid, if I follow from behind Well, well I find on that other side, you know what I'm saying He said you can't hold it back When you're looking for the line, just chill Cause hip hop is a friend of mine Smacking his lips against the chew stick As he was beamed back up to the mothership And I'm heading for my G, wondering how this brother gonna do this and Ain't nobody on my block know what was going on The bodegas was closed, the streets were bad Nobody in my front stoop doing hair My 4x4 became an unidentified flying beamer Mom's always said I'll make it out to projects I'm heading out this journey to the other side Looking up in the sky, I see the mothership in the distance Yo, I thought that was lifting Cause when I put my Jeep in, yeah I found myself lifting It sounded dope, but I couldn't see a thing. Not like Planet Blue, made blue by these white chains of stars surrounding it, pulling at it, tugging at the smiles of its people. Planet Blue, world of the blues. A planet just to beat up big bands and big bass and underground the people gave all they had to jazz gods that showed them the way. Miles Bird and Coltrane to whom they praised. The soil was rich like the music that all that grew with different shades of blue. But the people planted jazz and beat by new smile and grit like the funkadelic. When orbits its moon in this moon orbits it. Its president was Clinton who lived in the house of parliament with the house of Tommy Dog aligned himself with sun of the fuck the fact that people were planet disco. Planet disco, we must be closer. Making a left at the second moon in Sugar Hill. I hear it, uh, uh, I see it, uh, uh, I hear the boom bib in the distance, uh, uh, planet Adidas. Mike's rooted in the boom bib, looking up at this sun, a glowing lolly dotty record, giving energy to the boom bib. The clouds rain, they bounce down, boom bib. The boom bib was everywhere. Each nation nodded a different way, and they all nodded. The land of the head nodders, the nation of the feline, planted a dida, planted a dida. What's the point of going home? Beats and bass lines, mics and no rhymes. This is what I want, this is what I need. The boom bib, the boom, boom, boom bib. I said peace to my man on the mother ship. The boom, the boom, the boom bib. The boom, the boom, the boom, bip, bip. But then the question still remains. Why was I brought here? Once upon a time in the head of a nada, they placed a vision, a vision that has since been reality as in real. The real deal of discipline when picking up a pen to ink did not stain the paper in the nature of a true nada. 
Bound too long by the whips of ignorance, pimp slap about the fouls of trends, writing rhymes that make dollars, but no sense. Hence, hip-hop is not a whore to any hole with the fucked up flow, who adopted the nod just a second ago. So, all aboard those who don't know, make your way to the back where whackness is packed. And all aboard all those who have been nodding for years I'm riding first class amongst my peers So shift your third ear in gear And tell me, do you fear me, fear me, fear me As you buckle and brace the fat back of the base With lyrical grits as your in-flight dish Oh, how I wish I can go far away, far away Every few years there comes a search for the real So grab your face off And if you want to take a ride And follow the vibes Cause it's a head not us journey To the other side Stony Island Audio